who here knows who Joshua is? Awesome, fantastic. I mean, who am I kidding? Of course you know who Joshua is. He's me. Because um, when I walk up to people, I'm like, Joel. Oh, hi, Josh. Joel. John? Joel. Sean? I have had that before. And then I went and I worked for a Sean. And it got worse. Because they started calling him Joel and me Sean. And yeah, it just got messed up. So I, I just tried to repress that memory of that, that very trying time. Um, in reality, it was actually hilarious. Um, but we, we got a huge kick out of it. <laughs> yep. So, um, in the Old Testament, there's this guy named Joshua. If you didn't know who Joshua was. Um, I've got heaps of verses, actually. No, I've only got two verses for you guys tonight. So, um, you have to bear with me. If you don't know who Joshua is, Joshua is the man that God used to get the Israelites into Israel, into, into Canaan at the time, is what it was called. And we're going to pick up his story right before they invade. So Joshua at this point has a big, big task ahead of him. And in this, out of this whole situation, there's something that I want to focus on today. Joshua was a pretty great leader. In fact, I would go so far as to say that he was probably a better leader than Moses was. Now, that's a pretty controversial statement because Moses is like Moses is like the dude in the Old Testament. You, know, you, you ask anyone um, of Jewish background, and, and they'll also tell you the same because he is, and um, and God says that he is the greatest prophet, um, and that there will. I'm, I'm pretty sure. It's in the end of Deuteronomy that actually says there will never be a prophet like Moses. But in terms of leadership, I actually think Joshua was a better leader. And I'll tell you why. Why was this? I believe that in part it was the mentoring that he had. And in part, I think it was the decisions that he had made. I believe that there's some things that I think we can learn from Joshua. And it all has to do with what made him a great leader. So I've pulled three things out of this, which I, which I hope will make an impact on you guys. And, um, and these three things, I think, had a profound impact on the type of leader that Joshua was. The first one I want to bring out today is that Joshua knew he had the power to succeed. Joshua is the man who was mentored by Moses, who's this very famous guy that you've probably heard of. Uh, Moses probably is the most famous in pop culture. Um, like People know Moses as the guy who parted the Red Sea. So if you've ever seen The Prince of Egypt, he's the... <laughs> Lots of wind, big walls of water on either side, and it's an epic moment in that movie. And most people are familiar with him because of that event. God used him to part the Red Sea, the wind blowing, and everything like that. And historically, Moses is the guy who was leading Israel at the time when Israel left Egypt. Of course, we know that God did all these things through Moses. But man, like, Moses led a pretty cool life. And he did some pretty incredible things. Like, I can think of 12 pretty significant, amazing things that, that happened uh, while Moses was leading Israel. Now, um, And those would be the plagues of Egypt. Now... Joshua is the guy who Moses mentored. 
And the whole idea of mentoring someone is for them to become the next step above what you are. When someone is mentoring someone, usually their greatest wish is for that person to become better and greater than they are. That's a good thing. So Joshua is the guy who is being raised up to do even greater things than Moses. That's pretty incredible. He was there from the early days of Moses' ministry, and he ends up being the one who God appoints to lead the Israelites into the Promised Land. A huge endeavor, a full-scale invasion. Joshua is the military leader responsible for leading the people. And put yourself in his shoes just for a second. That's intimidating. Estimates put the total number of Israelites at 2.4 million-ish. Because the number included in the Bible only counts military-age men. So there is this, there's all of the, there's their wives and there's their kids. Now back in those days, contraception was lacking. So they had lots of kids. So, you know, we might think, oh, you can multiply it, like add maybe two or three people per family. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Joseph had a lot of brothers. Uh, so, in all likelihood, we're talking about a lot of people. A lot of people that Joshua is responsible for. There's this monumental amount of pressure and responsibility on Joshua, and he has this huge task ahead of him. And yet, Joshua knew that he was able to succeed. Now, I don't mean he had the power like he owned it. I mean he, he had it in the sense that he knew the power to succeed was on his side. And he knew this because he had this amazing blessing spoken over his life, this promise. And this promise wasn't just for a season. It was for a lifetime. It was a lifetime blessing. I want to read it. So that's Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7 to 8, which will be coming up on the screen. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. There's another promise. The second one is in Joshua chapter 1, verse That'll come up on the screen. No one will be able, I love this, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that was God speaking directly to Joshua. Now, just think back to some of the things that Moses did. And uh, I'm going to be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. So we know just how powerfully God is declaring that he's going to show up on behalf of Joshua. Like, this is big. This is big stuff. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua knew he had the power to succeed. He had God's backing. There wasn't doubt of success in his mind because the promises that he had been given through his mentor and directly from God amazing, profound promises. He was secure in that. Now, I don't know about you, correct me if I'm wrong, but if someone told you, and they were a reliable person that somehow knew this, if someone told you that nothing was going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life, 
and the God's all-powerful might was backing you up and he would never, ever leave you or not be there when you need when you need him. You'd feel pretty empowered, hey? Well, guess what? That's exactly what we've all been told. We have the exact same promise from God. There are a lot of promises in the Old Testament, and not all of them when taken in context are necessarily meant for us, but this is one of the ones that is definitely meant for us, and we know this because Paul directly quotes it when he wrote Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, which means it is meant for us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Boom! Right there. All right, I, I want everyone to fill in the blanks with me just for a second. God is the Alpha and the Omega. God is the first and the... He is the same yesterday and forever. Exactly. So we're in, we're in a relationship with the same God that Joshua was. So I'm pretty sure he means the same thing, yeah? He has the same power, the same backing, the same authority, and he says the same thing to us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will always be there when we need him. And in this way, we have the same empowering as Joshua. We've been given the power to succeed because we know that all our, that our all-powerful God is with us and will never, ever be gone. The power to succeed. Second thing. If you're like me at all, you've probably messed up before. I've found that it's pretty much impossible to go through life without failing. Gosh, sometimes it really look, it really does feel like life is setting us up to fail. And failures can look like a lot of different things. If I can get personal for a second, I want to use a couple of examples of things that I kind of see as failures. Has anyone here ever said something truly, truly embarrassing? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to share. Once I did that with youth, I didn't ask them to share, I just said this to youth. And one of the youth just like, just like, like over there, just starts going, oh, this happened. I'm like, I don't want to know. I want to know what it is. Anyway, I can't remember what it was. But once, I think it was in grade 8 at the time, I walked, oh, I was late, I was late to school, and I walked into the classroom. And, you know, you know how it is when you walk into a classroom late, everyone knows you're late, and I was pretty significantly late that day by about 45 minutes. And, um, I mean, give me credit, I wasn't arranging my own transport, Uh, so it wasn't actually my fault I was late. But, I walk in, and everyone's like, usually there's a buzz in the classroom, there's that little classroom noise that you can hear and it's never completely quiet. It was completely quiet. And everyone looked really depressed. And I'd never said this before. But I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to use that line, you know. And I said, gosh, who died? And someone turned to me and said, two people. Oh, the shame. Oh, the shame. I felt like crawling under a rock. <laughs> I really did. Sometimes we can see embarrassments as failures. 
or when we have offended someone. And I'm pretty sure I offended people like that. Sometimes if we're being really hard on ourselves, we can even label things as failures that aren't failures. For example, on a domestic flight on our mission trip to India, this was three years ago maybe, um, I was in India on a mission trip, and uh, we were catching a domestic flight from Mumbai to Belgavi. Belgavi is a very small place, it was this little dirt runway, um, you know, we think Hobart International Airport is small. Nah, <laughs> nothing compared to this. Alright, oh, is this still called the Hobart International Airport? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's our international airport. It's amazing. Um, and we were on this this plane. This plane probably had, I don't know, maybe had 130 people on it-ish, uh, if it was a capacity, and there were a lot of people on it. And it was one of the prop planes. So it was a propeller plane. And I was sitting right over the wing. And there was one guy next to me. And uh, this guy was an, an, an Indian guy. I still remember his name. His name was Belish. And... He worked in Dubai and flies back every year to see his family. And uh, anyway, we just got got into this conversation, as you do uh, on flights, and, and um, yeah, just learning about each other. And then inevitably, when he finds out that I'm a pastor, um, he starts asking me what a pastor is, and I start just sharing the gospel with him. I'm just talking with him about my life and sharing the gospel. And uh, you see... I was sharing Jesus with this guy, and we were having a great conversation about Jesus and faith, but we were over the engines. And it was only after the fact that I found out we were unintentionally speaking loudly, so we could hear each other over the noise. And we were so loud that I hadn't just shared Jesus with him. I shared Jesus with the whole plane. Literally, my senior pastor at the time, who was sitting six rows ahead, heard every word. <laughs> it was terrible and great at the same time. Um, I shared God with the whole plane. It was so embarrassing. But hey, if I had been really critical of myself, which I have had a problem with doing in the past, then I could have been really hard on myself and embarrassed because of that, and, and could have actually, that could have impacted me quite a lot. This was a roundabout way of getting to my point with Joshua, but the reason I have presented a couple of different ways is, is to help you understand probably one of the most important things that Joshua understood. Joshua understood that he had the freedom to fail. And not just think he had failed, but uber-fail, big time. What do I mean by the freedom to fail? He knew that God wouldn't leave him if he stuffed things up. He knew he wouldn't be ditched if he made a mistake. How did he know this? He had God's promises to him, but he also had the example that had been set by his mentor. If you know the life of Moses, you might know where I'm going for this. Moses had failed heaps of times. He started out his ministry as a murderer. So he's off to a great start. He broke the first tablets that had the Ten Commandments on them because he wanted to rage quit because of what his people were doing. And under his leadership, the Israelites spent an unnecessary 40 years in the desert. And yet, God was with Moses until the day he died. 
Joshua knew that God was with him, even if he failed. He knew that it wouldn't be the end of the world. Does that mean he didn't care? No, of course. Of course not. But there is a profound freedom that comes with knowing that I'm going to mess up and that's okay. We don't have to expect ourselves to be perfect. Remember, that same promise applies to us. How do we know that God will still take us and use us in good ways, even when we fail? Just like Joshua, we have the example of people around us. We know who we are. And it's sometimes easy to think we are the only ones who mess up, but all we need to do to know that that's not the case and God is with us anyway to speak to the people around us and hear the stories of God's faithfulness even when we fail it's empowering when we know we have the freedom to fail Joshua had the power to succeed he had the freedom to fail and those he had largely been given um, those had largely been given to him through his relationship with God and his mentoring relationship with Moses the third thing I want to focus on from Joshua is that he had the patience of an absolute saint. He really did. What do I mean by that? Well, Moses may not have modelled patience in the best ways, for Joshua. But patience had been modelled through Moses to Joshua because he was watching how patient God was with Moses and with all of the people countless times they walked away from God disobeyed, sometimes outright outright betrayed him and God got angry many times but God didn't walk away from the Israelites and Joshua this whole time was watching the way God reacted to the Israelites and also the dedication that Moses had to intervening on the behalf of the people of Israel through all of this because God and Moses didn't give up on Israel neither did he Moses and Joshua could have ditched the Israelites. I found this very interesting when I read it the other day. They could have actually left the Israelites, and God would have supported them in that. At one stage, God even says to Moses, let me destroy them, and you can go, and I will make an even better nation out of you. It tells you how angry God was at this point. He's like, let me get rid of them, please, and I'll make a great nation out of you. But Moses and Joshua stayed. God gave Moses that option. He gave him the choice. They had the option of leaving, but they didn't. And when the people of Israel stuffed things so badly, when they listened to the wrong spies who brought back a bad report about the strength of the land they were going to invade, instead of listening to Caleb and Joshua, who gave a good report, they still didn't walk away from Then they stuff things again because after God said no to them entering the promised land, after God said no to entering the promised land, they decided that that was a good time to do an about face and come to their senses way too late and realize that they should go and attack. But unfortunately, the time for that had passed and God had said no. God's command had turned against that and what did they do? They attacked anyway. And predictably, it went terribly and lots of people died. 
then they were finally convinced and obeyed God and were nomads in the desert for 40 years. Still, Joshua waited. At the end of 40 years, Moses passed on leadership to Joshua and then Moses died. Moses' death marked the last of that generation that weren't allowed in and Joshua was finally able, finally able to lead the conquest of the land that God had promised. What a journey. And still, that was only the beginning of the realisation of God's promises. That was the promises beginning to be unfilled. Um, sorry, being fulfilled. Joshua was one patient guy. He was deliberate in holding on to that patience. After decades and decades of faithfully serving and seeing a whole lot of failure, Joshua ended up being known as one of the great leaders of the Bible. Joshua had the power to succeed, freedom to fail, and he was deliberately patient. Today I want us to leave this building feeling truly empowered just like Joshua was. We know we have the power to succeed because those same promises God is on our side. We know we have the freedom to fail because of the examples in the Bible and the examples we have around us today. And the examples in the Bible. And we know we are accepted by God regardless of who we are because of the people like Joshua and people around us that are accepted by God no matter what our history or background is. And I want to encourage you to follow in Joshua's Hold fast to the promises that God has for you. If you don't know what those promises are, then learn them both from the Bible and from your relationship with God. I want to encourage you not to be too harsh on yourselves when things go badly or if you fail. We aren't free from consequences. Consequences still happen because they're of our own making. We aren't free from consequences, but we do have the freedom to fail. You will not be abandoned. And choose to be patient, even when people are driving you completely crazy. Choose to be patient. And if you really want to be empowered in the same way that Joshua was, go and find a really good mentor to mentor you in whichever area you want to improve in. I know some people who have like 10 mentors, one for different of their lives. If I had one desire for you this evening, one takeaway, it would be for you to go into this new week feeling truly empowered. I just want to leave you with this blessing in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 to 13. I'll just read it to you. It's a blessing and promise that God gave to his people, and I believe it's for us. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 to 13. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you.